I'm David Madsen, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they've had along the way. I recently had the chance to catch up with Reggie. In high school, we played sports together, and now we try to meet up whenever I fly back to Hawaii. I found him at his home with his wife, Hine, just as their daughter, Mariah, came by to visit. Look at that. <laughs> is, that, is that like a poi dog, or what kind of dog is that? French, French, French bulldog. French bulldog, okay. Yeah. Cool. Baby's oh. still yet. Baby's still yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mariah's visiting right now. Yes. In fact, they just walked in not even at all. Ten they're, minutes they're ago. They're taking all the leftovers. <laughs> she looks like her mom. Yes. Hey, Mariah. Oh, I wasn't sure. It, oh, nice. In a seventh grade picture. Looks just like Mariah. Really? Oh, yeah. that's, that's adorable. Exactly like that. Oh, gotta love that. You, you got uh, you got Hina and you got a, a mini version of her. She ended up looking like the mom and not like me. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got one of each in in ours. <laughs> Reggie's family has roots in Waianae Valley, where he spent his early youth. He shares some of his special and funny memories growing up in Waianae, which were some of the best. So Reggie, can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up? Um, we had family land in Wainai Valley, and basically grew up there for the first four years of my life. My grandfather was an immigrant from the Philippines. My grandmother was born to an immigrant from the Philippines that worked at um, CNH for the plantation over there. On Waianae. Were there any memories you have of when when you were in Waianae, you know, the first four years of your life? Mud fights and making mud balls and throwing it at each other. And I mean, all the cousins. And mind you, my, my immediate family, as far as my uncles and aunts, typical Filipino family, all lived under the same roof. So all us cousins lived under the same roof. So it was easy to hang out with who you considered your first best friend, which was all your cousins. And we used to chase ducks, chase chickens, everything that my grandfather raised livestock. We, we dealt with turkeys. Yeah, you name it, we had it. Then my father, who was working for the shipyard at the time, felt that uh, we don't want this lifestyle. So we moved closer to town, ended up in Pearl Ridge. My dad worked at the shipyard. My dad would come home, throw all our fishing gear in the back of his truck. Then we'd go to my uncle's house and spend the weekend. My dad's oldest brother, he owned a property across from Miley Beach Park. Growing up, I used to go to Miley Beach a lot. So my cousin and I, the, the oldest, we would go surfing. and. Dude would turn purple, like eggplant purple. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh my god! 
and I would I would burn initially I would burn but then I would tan yeah 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 but after we go surf and then we'd hang out go fish at night night fish only way you could see him was if he smiled oh legit <laughs> he sneak up on you and all of a sudden he goes boom like, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. and he would do that he would do that he would, I got to see my grandparents every weekend and every Sunday you gotta go home no I don't wanna go home because I gotta go back to school or go back home yeah That's, that actually sounds like you had a lot of really um, good opportunities to get to know them to spend yeah a lot of for sure weekends and everything. yeah for sure for sure. Is your extended family still there in Waianae? Um, unfortunately, no. Most of my family now live on the mainland. Memories of Waianae, Miley, Makaha is the best though. I'm telling you. It was... Reggie never thought he would attend Kamehameha. Here are some of the things he remembers about high school. For fourth grade at Porridge Elementary all the way till I graduated from Kumeame in 89. My parents were at each other's throats, literally, growing up. And it never became more evident until I started attending high school. Part of the reason I, I went to Kumeame was to pull me away from the bad influences that I would have been influenced by if I had attended IAA High. I find it amazing that I ended up in in the first place because of testing and the requirements. And it's like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll test and I'll go through it and still be with my AIL friends. And lo and behold, like, oh, congratulations, you're accepted to come out. How do you think people will remember you? If you're lucky to see me on campus, <laughs> it's like, oh, there's that, there's that blue moon, Reggie. <laughs> you know that? I mean, that's that's basically what I remember. I mean, yeah, Founders Day song contest. You know, all the all the specific requirements you needed to attend, I attended. If you could have one of your former teachers be your child's teacher too, oh, or you yeah, for speech. She instilled confidence in me in speaking, and being able to convey my thoughts. And I mean, to this day, when I go and make a presentation, a sales presentation for work, I remember all the things that she taught me. Make eye contact, always look in the gym and address them. Make sure you, you make them feel engaged. You know, you're not just speaking to the wall, you're speaking to them. And you're making a push for them. And invaluable, so invaluable. Yeah, she is definitely one. Another person that was influential in my life, Mr. Lapsley, the outreach counselor up there, he helped me progress through a lot of the things that I was dealing with, not only as I was there, but even after Kuna just being able to bounce things off of him but know that whatever decision you make comes from being able to thoroughly think through and thoroughly pinpoint what it is you try to accomplish when you everything he did was with you know sincerity 
And I remember Mr. Lapsley too. He was uh, somebody who we spent a lot of time hanging out with. Our rhythm of life changes after high school. We develop new routines, new people enter our lives, and sometimes we settle into new surroundings. Here are some of Reggie's experiences and his path forward. 19 was rough. 19 was super rough. Long-time girlfriend left me. Parents divorced. I got sick. Siblings moved away. Brothers and sister moved to the mainland because my dad didn't want them here to deal with the issues. So basically by myself and forced to live on my own. Were there any classmates that you kept in touch with? Not so much after high school, to be honest. When my parents divorced in 90, that was pretty much when I pretty alone, pretty by myself. And it was okay because I felt that that was what was necessary to, to kind of get on with the direction I was heading in my life. Wow. That, that must have been a tough transition. So did you choose to stay in, in Hawaii? And, and I was attending the University of Hawaii at Manoa. So I kind of had no choice to, I had to stay. I, I was mm -hmm. in school, I was enrolled. So mm -hmm. I, I decided to stay. It sounds like it was a really tough time. Like everything piled onto your shoulders. Was there something that helped you to make it through? I took the approach that if I wanted something, I would have to go out and get it. I guess I'm looking out for me. And that was the approach I took. That I was going to do things by myself and I was going to be fine. Got into weightlifting and that was kind of like my, my motivating, <laughs> motivating perspective. And I was really good at it. I stuck to it trained to both the bodybuilding avenue as well as the powerlifting avenue like them both i did that for almost 20 years up until the birth of my number four i'm in the gym i'm pushing forward towards being able to squat lots of weight and my buddies that i trained with they're like yeah you know you got to get this certain belt because this belt helps support your back. You got to order it online because there's no local distributor in Hawaii. So yeah, but it's worth it. So I go to Sports Authority. I look for the brand of belt that they were talking about. I don't find it, but I find this pretty good looking belt and everything was great about it. I put it on, fit well. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go with this belt. I have to break it in, so I used it. I went to the gym wearing it. So they're like, all right, let's, you know, let's, let's try 495. I said, okay, you can go with 495. I, I, okay. Slap on the plates, get under the bar. I put the belt on and I kid you not, I go down on my first squat, very first squat. The belt literally rips the pins on the buckle cut right through the letter like there's nothing whoa and i was down i was like down in a squat position fortunately i had somebody spotting me i brought the bar back up no problem but the belt literally just fell off my waist 
It's a $50 belt that I ripped like first use. So I invested in an Inzer belt, best belt I ever owned. And to this day, I still have it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, spending a little bit more money for a quality product, whatever it is, you know. We find strength doing things on our own and being self-reliant. But friendships after high school have meaning and significance. Was there any classmate who who left a lasting impression on you? Well, there were there were four classmates that I kept in touch with for a brief moment after I got back from California. Um, when I was attending the Beaver Community College, I used to hang out with Robert Jarrett and Jacob Piccolo, which is funny because they worked for Long's Drugs Porridge, and I worked right upstairs at the theater, so. I would see them and we would be, you know, we'd be in class at LCC and I'd see them at work. So it was easy for me to connect with them because of the commitment connection. I also kept in touch with Willie Wright and Uwe. We, with Uwe and Willie, I actually attended some <laughs> wrestling matches at the Blazer with them. And we'd hang out, talk story. and watch wrestling maybe about a few months after that had happened that's when the weight training became serious the powerlifting and bodybuilding became serious there was genuine concern to you know make sure everything was okay between each other you know getting by beyond just hello hanging out that was the foundation i kind of needed that little anchor i needed to get my act together, help me stay focused and not get so distracted. Let's hear Reggie tell the story of how he met his wife Hine and how his upbringing shaped his approach to raising his own family. How did you meet your wife? Oh my gosh, you did go there. <laughs> okay, Simple, simply put, I lived in this building Garden and Towers across the street from Pearl Ridge. That's where I first moved when I got back from California. Get home one day from the gym. Get this cute looking girl standing in the lobby. Like, oh. But I think she was moving in. So I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I'll run into this, that, and the other. So couple of days go by, a couple of weeks go by. And um, a bunch of us after work at Forage West, we were, you know what, let's go Waikiki, go check out something playing at the Waikiki Springs. And um, I forget what movie it was. And because we work for the theaters, you know, movies that there's movies for free, concessions at a discount, because that's how the theaters make their money. But like, okay, you know, hang out with the boys and we go check out a flip. So after the movie was done, they were all, oh, let's go walk down Kalakaua, you know. So as we were walking, exiting the theater, we passed by the IMAX. There was an IMAX theater next to the Twins. And underneath the IMAX, there's a War Hawaiian Heritage, a jewelry store. I take a glance back and there she is. The girl that I saw in the lobby of my, of my building is sitting at the Corner of the jewelry store. Ah, that's cool. 
maybe I'll run into her again, kept walking. My buddy, who's walking, said, hey, she's checking you out. Like, what? Nah, don't look at that. Messing around with me. Oh, she's checking you out. As I turn and look, I hear like a voice, like off in the distance, stop staring so hard. That's her manager yelling at her, catching her staring at me. So I walk up to her and introduce myself. And, you know, I know you from someplace. And, oh, yeah, I used to live garden in Tower. I said, that's right. And I, I knew that, but I won't play it off as such. I tell her, um, you like a 10 one grad party with me? And she's all, uh, sure. So, that was yeah. it. first date, um, we went to the movies after the grad party. First date, first, and yeah, never looked back after that. So, okay, so you guys went to the movies after the grad party? Mm-hmm. You paid. Not I, because um, I got three movies, so. Stupid. <laughs> well, you got to ask for that question. <laughs> I paid for concession, but I paid for concession at a discount. Okay, well there you go. So, so you covered the date. Basically, you covered the date. Yeah, but right. it didn't take much. I mean, what? You pay for parking? I didn't even pay for parking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's that's the the, the benefits the, of working for the theater. That's right. Well, I was going to say that that's that's the the noble, you know, gracious kind of you know. Well, I wasn't going to make her pay. See, you know, that's bad impression. I, I'm still paying to this day, as a matter of fact. <laughs> She's laughing. I got married in 94. Took on the responsibility of being a responsible parent. That same year. Did my damnedest to raise four children. And yeah, I I didn't want them experiencing what I experienced growing up. Isn't it crazy how becoming a parent can completely change your perspective on life? It was all about the kids. You wanna you wanna be the change, you know that change that you look for in your life? You know, I wanted my life to be this way. I wanted my parents to treat me this way. I wanted a family that was going to be together all the time. Mm-hmm. So I basically did my damnedest to make sure my children had what I thought I wanted growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we all had something that we grew up with that we didn't like. Mm-hmm. But there are things that needed to be improved. That is what I was focusing on when becoming a parent. Don't worry about food and water. Don't worry about how much it costs. Don't worry about, just know that those things will be taken care of. You just worry about doing what you need to get done to to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. And everything else in between will be taken care of. And I I think to, a, to an extent, Hine and I have been really good about taking care of our children. My kids work for me. I have high standards for them. You're not going to do with dad the boss. You're going to do with dad the dad. <laughs> My kids, they do their darndest not to disappoint. And I see that all the time. 
a good reflection on you two and the way that you raise them it shows what's important to them. You know, they appreciate, but also what they respect. As a husband and father, our hearts are on full display. But with this joy comes the vulnerability of knowing we can't protect them from everything. And if our minds and our hearts are open, we just may find support in unexpected places. Kimi and I were expecting our number four child. That's seven years gap between my number three and my number four. So this one came with a little surprise. It was like, ooh. And of course, we're much, much older than we were in our younger days. So there was precautions because there were concerns about certain things and health issues. And so the checkups started going from monthly checkups to bi-weekly checkups. And all of a sudden, one July morning, it was a Sunday, like, I'm not feeling well. Let's go to the doctor. So we went to the emergency room. And they hooked her up to a blood pressure monitor. And I kid you not, her blood pressure was 200 over 100. And I'm like, oh, that's not normal. And even the nurses are like, yeah, that is way not normal. So long story short, she had developed preeclampsia. I've never heard of preeclampsia in my life. I don't even know what it was. When it was like, you speaking what language? And lo and behold, like I said, she was she went in on a on a Sunday. They took Elias out on a Tuesday, and Elias was one pound fifteen ounces. His foot was the size of my thumb. I had that what the hell moment. I was like, why is this happening? And the funny thing about preeclampsia, after that had happened, NBC had this TV show called ER running at the time. And just so happened, episode of ER, they had a lady come into the emergency room with preeclampsia. And they lost the girl. And all about it. You need to tell me I could have lost. And he needs OBG. Yeah, she was on the verge. He could have, he could have easily lost both of them. That softened the heart. The heart became a little bit more forgiving, a little bit less stubborn. The thing that kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. About two weeks in, Elias had to spend the first ten weeks of his life in uh, isolate in the NICU at Kapilani. I'm sitting in the waiting room area before I could go into the NICU and I see somebody I recognize sitting in the in the waiting room area. Dana Mendonca. I'm like, Dana? She's all, Reggie? I'm like, yeah. Okay, what's up? Then after sharing her story, I was getting ready to walk away and she went, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I share. I shared about my situation with my wife and Elias. She's all, no. You ever need somebody to talk to? You have people to talk to. I'm like, uh, nah, that's okay. The opportunity, that was like, slap you in the face, wake up and smell coffee. Uh, my daughter experienced an accident in 2014 that 
almost took her life. TBI, traumatic brain injury. And I I went to a really dark place when that happened. But what pulled me out was running into Robert Domingo at Starbucks Camp Shopping Center. And I still remember the word. He said, the class is here for you, Reggie. Like, just say the word. The class is here for you. And that still resonates to this day. It still resonates in my head. The class is still for you. It's still here for you. Almost losing my wife and my, my youngest. Then almost losing my daughter. I wish that on mobile. Yeah. Unimaginable to, to have yeah. to, you know, deal with those kinds of things. Yeah. Garland, who I work with at the theaters, she became a school teacher. She taught my oldest, Reggie Boy. She was Reggie Boy's fourth grade teacher. Then Garland introduces me to all, well, you got to get on this thing. It's called Facebook. I'm like, okay, I'll get on Facebook. And I kid you not, the first day I get on Facebook, I get like over 130 requests, friend requests, all classmates. Every single one of them was at 89 grand. How did so you feel about that? That, that, that was crazy. Ever since that initial contact with Dana Mendonca, Mm -hmm. I have not regretted it one bit. It was sage advice at the moment he needed it that kept Reggie on the right path. Um, I had married Hina already. Um, we were expecting Reggie Boy. I was still kind of up in the air about the direction I was going to take as far as work was going to go. So I started gearing my learning at LCC towards becoming you know, being in the Department of Public Safety career. I was trying to become an adult corrections officer, and I fit the bill perfectly. I was already up to 295 pounds in weight. I was, my father stepped in and had never given me advice my whole life. But he had gotten wind that I was trying to become an adult corrections officer. And mind you, I was already starting my job with my mom's company. Mm -hmm. My father pulls me on the side and his exact words, word for word, out of his mouth, I'm going to tell you, boy, no, take that job. Stay with your mom. And it baffled me. It blew my mind. Like, what? He said, I don't want you working in an environment that's going to affect your lifestyle at home. So my advice to you is, word for word, my advice to you is to stay with your mom. Mind you, my father, never, that's the first time, first piece of advice yet in my life. I remember, Dad, why you never push me for play football? Why you never like play football? I mean, I did. I said, well, you eventually wanted to play football, but you didn't when you thought you wanted to play football. So I didn't push you to play football because you wouldn't have been interested in playing football when I pushed you. And it sounded like gibberish, mm -hmm. but it made perfect sense. <laughs> perfect sense. Like, oh my gosh. That was like, wow. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I don't regret it. Because he was probably right. And I wouldn't be in the position I am in today. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind, I don't mind this, I don't mind this path that I've taken, this journey that I've decided to take. And that was one of those things that, hey, you know what, let's just see where this goes. 
You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know that doing that was going to lead to this. I just went with it based on my dad's advice. It's amazing how things work out. There's always an interesting story behind how a successful business was built. Reggie shares with us how his business came to be. Can you just, <laughs> like, in your own words, kind of, uh, what is it that you do? Okay, I am the finance officer for locally owned and operated call center based in Kalawa. <laughs> Brand spanking new company. We celebrated our one-year anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> Could you describe some of the some of the stuff? Sure. So basically what we do is we provide telephone reception service for businesses and companies that cannot operate a receptionist at any time, any point in time of a business day or even after hours. So we service businesses that require a 24-hour presence but cannot afford a 24-hour presence. So they utilize an answering service or a call center to field their off-hour calls. And that's what I do. My mother, who's not doing well, had this company that was in existence since 1958. And when she finally decided to let the company go, my sister and I took its client base and made it our own. So we basically when was started that? a new business. When was that? October of 2019. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No so worries. Literally, you're describing what, what you had just done. That sounds like a business that wouldn't have come to my mind. And so mm -hmm. I, I take it that... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't come to many people. It doesn't yeah. come to many people's mind either, but you believe it or not. The call service, the call center industry itself, um, as of 2018, is a $4.2 billion a year industry. So it's out there. So do you have people working around the clock? For you then? Yep. My call center never closes. I have staff on site 24 hours a day. The doors are always open. Amazing. Okay, that, that's it's just completely foreign to, to anything that, that I'm familiar with. My sister and I are at that juncture in our life that we weren't going to be working for anybody else. We aren't going to be taking orders from anybody else. We aren't going to be bossed around by anybody else. And I said, you know what? We make our own money and you reap the rewards of, of your efforts. Fruits of our labor. Yep, exactly. At 50, it's certain that our health isn't what it was when we were younger. Reggie shares his experiences with type 2 diabetes. All right, so um, what do you do to keep healthy? Like, do you have an exercise routine or a, um, a diet routine or anything? My diet consists of staying, because I'm type 2 diabetic, I stay away from a lot of starchy stuff. Mm -hmm. So my diet is already kind of preordained because of my health issues. Mm -hmm. So rice in moderation, sometimes no rice. Majority of the time, it's vegetables in, in lieu of rice. And because of COVID, it's been really difficult finding vegetables. So, you know, I just take whatever I can and 
monitor it that way. I've been I've been diagnosed type two diabetics in two thousand three, August of two thousand three. So it's been an up and down struggle. Um, part of it because back in two thousand three, I mean, I was borderline four hundred pounds. I had less than eight percent body fat, nine percent body fat. I mean, I was huge. I had twenty four inch arms. I had I had a fifty eight inch chest. I was a big guy. I had type two diabetes. I was like, how is that possible? I trained in the gym six days a week mm -hmm. and did my research, did some soul searching, and come to find out, I had two things going against me. One was the fact that my history, my family history, every single family member prior to me, grandparents on both sides of the family, both parents, mm -hmm. and then me, all diabetic. Cards are kind of stacked against me. Mm -hmm. The second thing that was against me was the fact that I was taking all these different supplements to maintain my 390-pound body. I mean, I was doing close to 5,000 calories a day just to stay at 390 pounds. So you can't eat that much in, in a day's time. So you supplement using proteins, using any type of supplement you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. because. The minute I went below 5,000 calories a day, I started losing weight, literally. Mm -hmm. I took a vacation once. Went on the vacation, I was 327 pounds before I went on vacation. Drank as much as I could, ate as much as I could, came back home, I was 15 pounds lighter, 312 pounds. And the vacation was only three days long. It was crazy. I was like, how is that possible? I was eating... I was eating like a pig, drinking like a fish, and I come home 15 pounds light back on supplements. Wow. But it comes to find out that bodybuilders and powerlifters in general, 85% of them are type 2 diabetic because of the, the lifestyle that they live. So, so now that you're, you're a lot lighter and um, you know, you're eating differently, do you find it easier to maintain your blood sugars? Oh, yeah. Your first diagnose. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, I'm on medication to assist, but yeah, I used to have all these spikes, up and down spikes, yeah. using the bathroom a lot. All of, all of the signs, you know, that you're yeah. diabetic, you use yeah. the bathroom a lot, blurred vision, had all of that. And then what do I need to do? I'll lose the weight. In six months' time, I dropped close to 90 pounds was, uh, like I said, 390, I weighed in at 392 that visit to get that explanation that I need to drop weight. Went back in and it was just over 300 pounds. Lost more weight after that. So my body weight, I mean, my weight can shift anywhere between 210 and 227. I think the heaviest I've been in the past five years is like 232. So, so, so what version of Hine does she like better of you? The bigger side or the, the smaller side? Of love. Bruce Banner or Hulk? <laughs> love, love. Yeah. David's asking. <laughs> Bruce Banner, she said. Bruce Banner, okay. Yeah. Right. So, 
they, the new me, <laughs> the new me, because that was a my sister was the one that coined that. But <laughs> hey, understandable. I mean, yeah. I can show you pictures. There, there's some photos that yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to see pictures later. Definitely, yeah. I like that that choice, that dichotomy. You know, <laughs> it was easy. It was super easy. But like I said, three ninety two is. That's a big guy. I mean, when I'm under a six plate rack, getting ready to do six plates for for reps, yeah, that is the Hulk for sure. That reminds me that we're turning fifty soon. So, mm -hmm. what are some of your thoughts or your feelings? What does turning fifty, you know, make you think about, or what does it mean to you? My brother, I just had a conversation with him about. Two weeks ago and he's like yeah you're gonna be 50 in a couple months i'm like and i know that's a big deal i'm like to who? who who's from whose perspective is that a big deal it's not a big deal to me 50 is just a number you know I, i'm lucky to be at 50 to be honest i mean i have so many health issues that i'm dealing with and have dealt with in the past couple of years that yeah i mean it's no biggie how do you take your coffee? Uh, soy milk. If I'm drinking espresso, I take an extra shot because <laughs> coffee and no dose. That was the ingredients for staying up at night when you needed to study for an exam. <laughs> so, coffee and no dose. How do you how do you have your eggs? Oh jeez, I can have them any which way. Any which way my son like cook them. Got it. Do you put anything on it yourself once you get the eggs on your plate? Nope. Everything's ready to go. All right. What's your comfort food? Oh, gosh. Comfort food. Chicken katsu curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is like full on. That's like, okay. You get chicken katsu curry with a sada mac and yeah, I'm good to go. I don't know that I've ever had chicken katsu curry from Zippy's, but next time I'm in Hawaii, I'm gonna have to get me some. It's on their special, so you gotta you gotta go when they make it. Oh, I see. that's yeah. probably why then. Yeah. So, what's your favorite dish? Nothing beats a steak, and anything that moves. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> How would you describe a fulfilled life at this juncture in my life? Forty nine. I think my life's pretty fulfilled. I mean, other than grandchildren, I think that's the only thing I'm kind of looking forward to right now is grandkids. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I mean, I I have my wife, I have a house, I have a home, I have children. Definitely, I'm definitely pleased with what has become an interesting life, to say the least. I mean, who would have thought this one-eyed boy would be out here in <laughs> Pearl City, of all places. Pearl. Give, give, give our aloha. <laughs> <laughs> all good stuff. Aloha. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Primetime 89. I'd like to thank our guest, Reggie Tanay, for taking the time to talk story with us. I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together. Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu, Sean Maskell, Wendy Brown, and Kaylee Aquaro. And a special thank you to Dwayne Andres for the music and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be 
sure to subscribe to get the latest updates and news on upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate from Primetime 89.